Welcome to the Mindfulness of Singing, and I'm Denise, your sassy, spunky scientist. And I'm Tony, your bubbly, big-hearted flower child. Our podcast features practical tips and tools for a journey of transformation using the healing power of your voice. Each podcast, we will delve into the mind, body, and spirit connection by interviewing inspirational guests, sharing personal stories, and discussing the most recent scientific research. Tune in and join our community of mindful singers. Well, so Tony, what's our subject today? Our subject today. Well, as you know, Denise, I'm trying to, my girlfriend is pushing me forward. It's a big push, (laughs) but trying to get a little more presence on social media. And I opened up an Instagram account. And the, one of the first people that came up was a student that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And I immediately connected with him. That's and, cool. Yeah. And it was cool. And it turns out he has a big audition coming up and mm. um, asked if I could help him with some things. And so, of course, I said, sure. And uh, unfortunately, this week has been a little heavy for me because when I went to connect with him the second time, um, he'd had a really tragic weekend and, Mm. um, I thank God that he's still with us. That's how tragic and heavy. And so, in fact, I'm not one, as you know, I don't get on trying to get on Facebook more, but I don't know what to say sometimes. And I certainly don't get to, I'll tell my silly mistakes that I make, but I don't tell a lot of personal things that I think or feel or believe. And after I got off the phone with him, I sat there for a long time thinking of different posts, how to say, if the weight is too heavy, don't try to carry it alone, reach mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. There comes a point where we, we, need, we need help. And, um, but I didn't know how to say it. And I didn't know if my saying, if you're carrying a heavy weight, reach help, you know, reach out will make anybody change. But now I've got the platform with you. And um, we've talked about this before. This young man is the millennials, this age group, I think they have so much stress and anxiety and pressure in a way that maybe other generations have not had to deal with. I mean, we all have different issues. As a whole, I'm making a very generalized statement. They're, they're, they seem to be full of stress and anxiety as a, as a generalized statement. Um, mm. And so we talked about what had happened and what he's done and how this treatment that he's seeking. And we've been in touch several times since then. And I said, do you feel like singing? And by the time he left, his whole mood and energy had shifted And I can't tell many. And when I got off the phone, I thought singing is food for the soul. Mm. And Mm -hmm. he had just had a big soul food uh, episode. And um, yeah, it's. uh, Well, I got a couple of thoughts on that. And that is number one, uh, you know, you and I both have had various tragedy things in our lives. And when I was going through the loss of my sister, it was really hard for me to sing. In fact, I I stopped singing for a couple of years because I really was under the notion that in order to sing, I should feel happy. 
I should feel, but not sad and not lost and not depressed. And it's counterintuitive because really and truly that's the time you should really sing is when you are feeling in those ways because not because it's easy or because it will feel authentic because it may feel very inauthentic to sing, to do something that brings you so much joy when you are not in a moment of joy, but it's better than drinking to feel better. It's better than, you know, taking a drug to feel better. It's better than going on antidepressants. I mean, although if your doctor says you need antidepressants, you need antidepressants, but I'm not, I'm not negating that, but I'm, am saying that singing is a medicinal act. It releases all kinds of feel good hormones, oxytocin, serotonin. And in that way, you're giving yourself a medicinal boost to the brain, which as we know is where depression and suicidal thoughts or feelings of wanting to hurt yourself, whether it's cut, cutting or whatever come from. And, um, singing can put you in a place where maybe those thoughts can become less frequent or maybe maybe you stop having them all together but i'd also like to say as a voice teacher i've had voice students who have been cutting and i didn't know it or um didn't know that my student was struggling i knew they were struggling in some way but i didn't know what and i don't want to pry or ask too many questions because there's some things that are just not my business as a voice teacher. And then I find out, you know, that they're um, in the hospital because they've tried to hurt themselves. So, and it's a shock to me. And so I'd like to also encourage that if you have a voice teacher and you're, you know, because a voice lesson can sometimes be hard. It can be really upsetting, especially if you have a teacher that's kind of like I, I am, who will push you to change, who will push you to be better, who will say to you the truth. That doesn't sound very good. And here's why, or whatever, or maybe may, may not say it in that way. But, you know, it's sometimes hard to receive criticism when you're already really hurting. But how is the teacher to know? if you don't tell them, right? Your teacher should be a mentor. And, and a lot of students think that a mentor is somebody who goes, you're gonna have a major career. It's all gonna be great. You're fabulous, you're wonderful. And they do what your parents may have done and that's feed you full of a bunch of baloney, right? Because it takes so much more than that to have a career. It takes so much more than talent to have a career. So no teacher can predict that. They can say, they can say, I, I think you could have a career if you could do this, if you could do this and you could do this and the stars aligned and the moon is full. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a crapshoot. It really is. And, and so, um, if you're in a really vulnerable state and you work with a teacher or a mentor who's doing what they're supposed to do, And that is not tell you that everything is wine and roses, but rather tell you the things that need to be changed, that need to be fixed, and sometimes kick you in the butt if you need it, right? I mean, I'm grateful for every teacher that's ever kicked me in the butt. I'm not grateful for the teachers who just went, that was fine, dear. Thank you. See you next week. Not grateful for that teacher. 
not even in, you know, I resent that, that I had a couple of teachers like that. I resent it, but you know, in hindsight at time, it was great. Woohoo, Whistle Dixie, you know, cause then they're telling me everything I want to hear. This is awesome. But, but uh, I guess what I'm saying is, is that if you are really hurting and you are really struggling, don't feel ashamed to say to your teacher today, I'm really struggling. I am hurting and I don't feel okay. I mean, I've had students do that. I had a student once who came in and said, I just don't feel good. I don't feel right. And I'm like, oh, are you ill? They're like, no, I don't mean like physically ill. I just, you know, I'm really struggling. And he was a freshman and I'm like, well, what do you mean? Just tell me what you're talking, what you're talking. I mean, I had an inkling, but I wanted to hear him say it. And he was like, well, you know, sometimes I just feel like I'd be better off dead. And I mean, I was just like, you know, it, it, it took my breath because I, when he said that I could see actually, he had actually in that moment resigned himself to, yep, that's how he felt. And I didn't know if I would see him the next week and I'm at a university, right. And I have this, I cannot speak to the parents without permission, any of that. So I said to him, uh, you know, Dan, I'm making up a name. That's not really his name, but you know, you know, Dan, I think maybe you might want to go, uh, to the counseling center, see if they can help you in some way. But, um, I'm going to call you in an hour and I'm going to tell you what I found out. Okay. Will you wait on my call for an hour? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I made this appointment with him. Right. And then as soon as he left, I wrote him an email and I said, I would like permission to talk to your parents. Could you give me permission to talk to your mom and let her know? Maybe I think she should know how you, how you're feeling. And he gave me permission. Good. And lo and I was surprised. I thought maybe he might say no, but he said, yeah, sure. I mean, this kid really wanted help, you know? So I um, immediately contacted his mother and said, you need to know this. I'm telling you. And they came like within several hours and picked him up, you know, and unenrolled him from school. And he says to this, this day that I saved his life, that his wow. plans were that evening to go and, and end his life. And I'm not saying all that to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying that sometimes when you feel depressed or you feel really, you're having dark thoughts, you feel ashamed. You, you, you feel ashamed to share them and you don't want people to see you differently and you sure don't want this voice teacher who may seem tough to feel differently about you, or maybe you're afraid that they're going to let you have it or whatever. But I can assure you that if you have a voice teacher who's tough or otherwise, more than likely this person really cares about you and does not want to see, does not want to come to your funeral. Right. And wants you to be in a better place and that they will move heaven and earth. I know no voice teacher that would not move heaven and earth to help you 
get some help and get healthy in your mindset. And, and to see to it that you're taken care of. Absolutely. I don't know. I know no voice teacher that would be like, yeah, well, that's on them. No, right. I, know, I know no one like that or who would be like, guess what? So-and-so feel, aren't they dumb? No one, no, no voice teacher would ever, ever that I know of would feel that way. We're just, that's just not who we are as voice teachers. We choose this profession to help people. Right. Some, some people are better at than others in terms of like just being, you know, generally a helpful person, but you know, I'm a problem solver by, by my nature. And so if you tell me you have a problem, if you're like, I can't find a place to live, I'm like, well, hold on just a minute. And I'll be, I'll be sending you the links to seven different apartments within 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, uh, so if you tell me, and I, I think, you know, anybody else, most, most voice teachers would be this way too. If you tell us you have a problem, we, we try to help you solve it in, in lots of ways. And and if not, and you're in a studio that's abusive or tells you you're stupid or um, I had a teacher who threw things at me once. So <laughs> yeah, my, my thought after we got off the- and you should not stay in that studio. Yeah, Singing should be an experience that is therapy, but doesn't drive you to therapy. But meaning <laughs> you can, you know, singing should be something that um, it was very therapeutic experience for him that night. It may drive mm. you to therapy mm. if you're trying to pursue a cure and your career mm. and you uncover stuff you need to work on. But yeah. self, yeah. singing is therapy. And if singing at the end of your lesson or study or whatever you're doing drives you to therapy in a negative sense, something's not right. You should feel better than when you started. And I can't tell you how many times people would come in the door like this. And by the time they left, you know, they're in a different state. Yeah. It's a fine line though, isn't it? Because, uh, I've had students who've come into my lesson that probably didn't feel better when they left. And, (laughs) um, and, and I, I mean, I know that, but, but, uh, and often some of it's my fault, but, uh, but then often some of it is that they came unprepared, that they didn't, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They didn't practice. They don't, they didn't work on the things they're supposed to work on. And so it's a fine line between going, oh, it's okay, honey. It's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just, I mean, that's not, that's, you don't ever expect to walk away from a, a, a voice lesson knowing that you didn't do your part, that you didn't, right. 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 And, and that you didn't do your part because you were, Lord knows what. It's different when you didn't do your part because you're depressed. It's different that you didn't do your part because you can't hardly get out of bed. That's a different thing. But if you don't communicate that to your teacher, how are they supposed to know? So it's really important to communicate with your, your voice teacher and know that you can tell them I'm, I'm not doing well emotionally and mentally and more than likely that teacher will try to find some solutions for you in, right. in every way. And in, in this story that I referenced, he didn't reach out. It was the police came and found him and, and he, you know, he mm. survived the deal. But 
I guess what the bottom line that we're both trying to say today, whether it's your voice teacher or somebody else, if you're struggling, if the weight is too heavy, don't yeah. care too long. Yes, and, and certainly if you're feeling yourself go there and you're a person who maybe has some chronic depression and some chronic sadness, those kinds of things, because I mean, it is a thing. It is a, you know, it's a mental health issue uh, that is real. It's not something people make up in their head. Then singing can help. So sing, sing more when you feel that and, way. And this is my last, well, it won't be my last because I just believe in it so much. We just started by simple humming. He oh yeah. He was, he was relaxed and everything. And I'm like, no, it's, you're just too much. You're too tense. And um, I just believe in it so much. And if you don't feel emotionally in the place to sing a full song or to go get out your most demanding aria, if you're a classical singer, just start humming your own tune. Just sing, sing a song, sing out loud, sing in the rain, sing, just fine. You know how many songs, I've been thinking about that, how many songs talk about in a playful spirit about singing, not trying to fix something, not trying to become something, just sing for your own heart, so. Get out there and sing. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Denise, we are so fortunate to bring on Valerie Dueck this morning. She is a phenomenal pianist who has literally traveled and performed all over the world, coached opera singers in major opera houses. She's performed on the Canadian Broadcasting System, Austrian Broadcasting System, Kazakhstan, you name it, she's probably been there and done that. And she's taken all of that, those skills and training from relocating and performing and being a collaborative pianist to create a unique business called the Musicians Relocation Coaching Service. So we're going to learn a lot from her, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So let's bring on Valerie Dueck. Yeah, that's great. Good morning, Valerie. We're so happy to have you. I'm Hi, Valerie. So glad to be here. Hi, Tony. Nice to meet you too. Nice to meet you. And where are you coming from this morning? This morning, I'm coming from my former childhood camp counselor's basement in, <laughs> wow. in Steinbach, Manitoba, in the middle of Canada, right in the center. Uh, I'm quarantining right now. And so this is where um, we're meeting up today. But ordinarily, I live in Geneva in Switzerland. You, you must have been a really nice kid because my former camp counselor wouldn't let me anywhere near their home. <laughs> She's telling the truth. I bet they'd be true. like, no, that bitch is going to set it on fire. No. <laughs> well, there's a so stove true. here, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's funny, Denise. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the truth. <laughs> I, I'm not doubting it. I'm not, I'm not doubting it's the truth. Well, Valerie, as we said earlier, you uh, offer the Musician's Relocation Guide. Is that ever a career path that, you know, when you were in school and practicing all those hours playing the piano beautifully, by the way, um, I bet you didn't mm -hmm. think, hmm, I'm going to one day offer. So tell us, I know that could probably be a very long story, but in a nutshell, how you got from the practice room to, in addition to your playing, to the mus Musician's Relocation Coaching. Well, I will try to keep it brief um, because it's a lifetime of history that brought me here. But um, I have in the past 20 years, I realized I added it up actually just this year. Uh, I've moved 15 times. And so over the course of those 
years, uh, I've learned, I've developed techniques and strategies for how to integrate into a community more quickly because I've really needed to, um, I mean, I'm a passionate music maker. And so I've needed to find strategies in order to jump into a community as quickly as possible, um, simply because I know that I love moving and I want to do both. So I have to. Do you really love to move? I really love um, the experience of jumping into a new culture, seeing what it's like, having the opportunity to learn another language as a vocal coach. This is really important for me. And um, yeah, and getting to see where the music that I love so much has lived. And so for the most part, I've lived in European countries um, and I just, I love exploring the culture as fully as possible. So yeah, I do love moving. (laughs) Really? Oh my gosh. So I'm a preacher's kid and my dad felt, felt the call of God every three years. And I would be I like, God, to your dad. <laughs> yeah, I would be like, God, you need to shut up because I was in a different school all the time and having I'm to make new friends and all of that. So that was really, you know, a tough, tough upbringing. But, and in my adulthood, I think because I was conditioned for that about every three years, I start getting itchy. Yes. I'm like, we, we need to rearrange the furniture. I got to go, you know? Yeah. So, uh, uh, I've moved a lot as an adult. My children are not very happy with me in that either, but I, I literally hate to pack stuff up and move it like that is the worst and it will keep me from going very quickly. So do you, do, do you guys have somebody who comes in and does all that for yes. you? Okay. Well then yeah. there you go. So my husband works for foreign affairs and so for Canada and so not all of our moves have been with them, but um, it certainly makes things a lot easier. I know. Okay. I well that explains it then. Yeah. yeah. That would make it much more doable. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. even move my piano as a result of that. I have to pay for it, but I'm allowed to move it. So this wow. is this is um, another big advantage that I can just get set in and start it up right away as soon as I get into a new place. And you have a name for your piano. I do. Her name is Bernadette. And normally <laughs> she's sitting right behind me, but today I've got this beautiful stove that I don't know how to work. Oh. Um, so I did not turn Bernadette into a stove just for those of you who are worried, <laughs> um, but I had a series this past summer called Well-Tempered Bernadette, A Piano's Tale of Five Cities. And in that series, I interviewed different, um, musicians that have met Bernadette in each of the cities that she's lived in all around the world in three different continents. And uh, yeah, we had a live interview series. We had a lot of fun and it was a great way to find a way to reach out and build community and still use music as a vehicle for that during these isolated times. So I love that. And I thought they were so good. Oh, thank you. I didn't get to catch them all, but I did catch some of them. And I, I thought they were so good and so interesting. And it was wonderful to hear you sing, I mean, to play and then hear some of the other singers. It was really good. And so I understand that some of the opera companies picked it up and, and yeah, used it. That's right. Opera Canada was sharing that. Um, and uh, it was a real delight to be uh, featured with them. So that was great. Yeah. That's, that's very clever. I think being clever is one of the keys to, <laughs> to, to creating something in this musical world, especially now and just in general, and to thrive as a musician. Um, what is the number one 
I don't like this word, mistake, learning curve that you that you see people making as a musician when they travel. I know you've got to start over with making friends and networking, and I find it a bit daunting. So what, what tip would you give? Well, I often say that the, the biggest tip that I've noticed is that you have kind of a six-month window to really jump into a place, and this is your golden period of time. And it actually... Um, kind of painfully coincides with the learning, um, the culture shock kind of learning curve. So I don't know if you know about the, the four stages of culture shock, but they, um, the one that we know the most is the one that's sometimes called culture shock, which is the frustration period. And this generally sets in, of course, we know the honeymoon period, then it's, um, you know, the uh, frustration period, then the adjustment period, and then the adaptation. And so, the, the frustration period happens early on and it's one of the things that often makes us shut down. And so this is a, a big risk for us because we're feeling vulnerable. We're feeling like, oh, what am I doing here? This is, this is not feeling like home. Everything's making me angry or frustrated. Or, um, and so the idea is not to just power through that because you can't, you have to live through, as we know, we have, you have to live through every um, one of those uh, phases. You can't skip a phase, but the idea is to continue to look for ways to work through that period so that you end up on the other side um, in a moment where people are starting to discover what you're all about. And the reason that six month period is so golden is you think about um, when you meet someone new and you're excited to find out all about them and you know they could be anyone, right? And so you have this opportunity to maybe to reinvent yourself, but more specifically to um, capture people's curiosity about you. And after a little while, you know, two, three years where, yes, you are starting to have adjust more to your culture and maybe to have more um, work success during that period. But the risk is that at that point, you're kind of old news. So if someone hasn't heard about you by then, they're thinking, well, why should I hire you now? You know, you've been here for three years and you don't work here, you don't work there. So, so it's really, um, I find that what is important and actually really helpful is that first six months to dive in and really um, focus on your goals because as a result, you're helping yourself overcome the culture shock. You're, you're building a community around yourself. That's like number one. And um, <clears throat> secondly, you're, you're able to um, capture people's attention and, and work from there. You know, that seems almost counterintuitive because you might think, well, first I've got to get established, I've got to make friends, I've got to, but you know, it makes sense as you talk about it to use that, you're the newbie, you're exciting and new and that's gonna wear off and capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. that People are always intrigued by the new girl or the new boy. Whatever's shiny, right? Right, that's, the profit, that's what we go for. <laughs> the profit is not yeah. known in his own hometown. I mean, yeah. so might as well use that to your advantage. That's beautiful. So if someone's lucky enough to get to work with you, can you walk us through what that kind of looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a coaching program called the Musician's Compass, Charting Your New Course. And right now we're working one-on-one. Um, -on -one, uh, and what that looks like is we go through the, the, the different mindsets that are really 
um, essential for because I, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's definitely not easy to jump into a new place, but it also is for people who are not necessarily moving to a new city, which believe it or not is still happening, but for people who are lo looking to change trajectories. And I think a lot of us have during this time of, of the pandemic ended up looking at new ways to use our refined skill sets or the things that excite us and get us motivated to, to keep going. And so what I personally discovered was through my, um, my Bernadette series um, was that I was reinventing myself again but this time as a live interview host, I don't, I don't know how to do that, but I just decided, well, this sounds fun and it gets me excited and I'm going to do it. And I realized through doing that, that I was, um, I was, I guess, reinventing myself again, but really um, looking at the same skill sets that I do when I move into a new place, because now I was just moving into an online world. So, um, so, when someone is working with me, we can look together at, um, you know, if they're just changing trajectories in their career, how we can use those same skills to get them fired up and get them started. And we're all kind of still, you know, that six month window isn't so, so, so far gone yet. We're all in this new world. We can still take advantage of that and, um, and, look at how building community is so important around ourselves. And that's the key essential for feeling um, like we're contributing to society, but also that we feel like we belong. And um, we also look at, you know, navigating culture shock. What are the things that are unexpected? And we do that through exploring a series of mindsets. And um, and then, yeah, and then all of that leads to, do you want to reinvent yourself? Is this something you really wanna take in a new direction? Now, I have spoken before about this, but I don't really believe in the word reinvention. I believe we are who we are and we're just choosing, we're selecting which parts of ourselves we want to focus on for that, um, that period of time. And maybe it looks different to other people, but all we are doing is drawing out certain um, components of ourselves that uh, we want to focus on for a time or permanently. Wow. So through the course, we explore these things and um, develop a plan in order to, to have that either dream job at the end or create something new. But the whole idea is to get back to um, communicating what you're passionate about, which is usually art your business couldn't be more timely. We're all relocating in our life and reinventing. I like your, your terminology around that because we are who we are, but recreating, I guess, refocusing. Those are, those are wonderful nuggets of wisdom. I can see Denise's head spinning over there. What are, what are your, what were you thinking? No, I, I, I agree, but I think, <clears throat> I think it's interesting that you say that, uh, you know, drawing the parallels between now and a move and yeah it is really different and and um i i think they're kind of two different kinds of people in the world when it comes to moving or having change and there are those who are like okay i've moved how am i going to make the most of this how am i going to move myself forward what am i going to do that's going to be exciting and 
whatever to me, you know? And then there are those that are like, uh-oh, change. I can't do it. I gotta, if I can't be the same, if I can't be the same as it's always been, then I'm just gonna crawl in a hole. And you know what I mean? Like we, there's kind of these two different kinds of people, I think. And, and if you're a kind, if you're the kind of person who's like Valerie, who embraces change and finds change to be a challenge and to be, then it's, it's really easy to move to another place. I mean, you know, in the grand scheme of what's easy and what's hard, but moving is always hard, but you find it easy to get there, get your feet. And the minute you get there, you know, your feet are running. But if you're the kind of person who just kind of gets frozen in the fact that change has happened and you don't deal with change well, which I, I have to say, I think most people do not do change well. Then somebody like Valerie is a gift because you can at least have a soundboard and, and have somebody who can give you a little bit of accountability and tell you it's going to be okay. And that, you know, you'll look back at this in five years and go, oh, I'm so glad we, I, we moved, we moved here. If you take these steps, you know, or so I, I think most people don't, I think it's rare when somebody likes change. I think that's a really good point. And I think um, it's, <clears throat> there are, there are um, risks to moving as well. And I'm not going to negate the fact that what the, one of the first things I talked about already today was the frustration period. And it is, it's really, um, it's really something that we have to take seriously because this is, this is something that can break people. The, mm -hmm. this is something that we learn about in terms of um, negotiating culture shock, that, that period of frustration can really be the determining factor about so many heartbreaking um, experiences that people go through, and so it is uh, it is not something small. <laughs> and there are, there's no knowing which time, which move, which redirection is going to be the one that that breaks you, um, and you can put yourself back together again. But I've talked quite a lot about my experience moving to Kazakhstan and there it was a very isolated experience and I did not love living there. I had a big um, preconception about what it would be like to live there and this great adventure and I was, I was so excited to move. I had learned quite a lot of Russian before we moved so like I was getting the what I knew to be for me the typical um, barriers kind of under control before I went and nothing could have prepared me for that and this to me is still to this day is mind-boggling because now I'm looking out here I'm in Steinbach I'm near very near to my hometown where I grew up and a town of 400 people called Kleefeld yeah. it's much bigger now but um and it was it was flat it was nothing there was nothing there and throughout that um my childhood, that was what, that was what the world looked like. You know, we would go on trips and we would see other landscapes and stuff, but it was flat. And it was now through my adult eyes, barren, you know, it's cold, it's winter, you get snow drifts as, you know, they change, which is beautiful, but that's, 
it's it can be a bit alarming and so i thought well moving to the northern part of kazakhstan which is siberia i thought that will be fine i'm used to living kind of in those kind of isolated places i've got a handle on the language um i was completely unprepared for how <laughs> isolated i was going to feel and um and how cold <laughs> Minus 40 is. Uh, oh my gosh. There's a reason why the Russians send people who misbehave there. <laughs> it what? was, it was. Liberia. Um, yeah. So I, so I didn't, I didn't probably do that gracefully, but yet I learned a lot from that experience and I learned more about what I need. And the move to Geneva was the move after that. And probably as a result of that, my easiest move so far and not just because of the you know difference in you know the language is french so that's closer at least to english a lot of people speak english and i've been able to learn french to a much higher level than than russian but um i think just a lot of that preparation now i was moving with two kids then i moved with one the those kind of um things to navigate, I had a better handle on in my mind, what I would need. Even moving here for the quarantine, I had a very specific list for how I was going to navigate my 14 days. And so it helps, <laughs> it helps a lot. Kazakhstan. I can't imagine. <laughs> She's still stuck on being like cold. Oh my gosh. Was, I think if cold. my husband came home and went, guess what, honey? I've been relocated to Kazakhstan. I mean, guess <laughs> what, honey? The divorce lawyer's coming yeah. in about 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. Have fun. Oh. Wow. Well, Any, yeah, go ahead. Um, in addition to coaching with you, you have some type of a three-day program. Can you tell yeah. us? Yeah, so in, in mid-October, I launched a three-day free training. And if people would like to get to know more about what it would be like to work with me, I will be providing the link to that, to uh, the mindfulness of singing. And you can share it with people. They can just sign up there and it's totally free. I also have the assignments that we did during that three-day period. And we just kind of go through um, what some of those main steps are for redirecting and what some of our op options are as well when we're moving and redirecting to a new place, financially speaking. So um, that's something we talked about a lot in the, in the three-day um, free training. So I'd love to see you there and I'd love to hear back from you. Um, if you happen to take that in, just uh, shoot, me a, shoot me a note and I, we could have a little chat about that. That would be great. That's awesome. Yeah. You, your business, like I said already, is so timely and what a gift for people as we're all searching to find our way in this time. So does yeah, it matter if you. it's international? What if I'm moving from Dallas to Washington, DC? In my experience, um, the more expectations we have, the more um, culture shock we experience. When we mm -hmm. think that oh, this will be fine because I'm just moving to another place where I know the language already. It, it really depends what kind of um, community you have moving into that new place um, and how you feel. And not only that, sometimes having no community can be a benefit too, because you can really um, build something new. Whereas if you go to a new place and you have a pre 
uh, preconceived community, let's say you are going for a job that you've been hired for, this is fantastic too. And for the most part, you have those things built in, you have community built in, you have probably the language built in. If you're hired to work in that place, you probably speak the language of that community as well. Um, but you don't necessarily have the work language. You don't necessarily have the work culture um, figured out. And not only that, it's like I said, that six month um, golden window, if you're moving in and you're feeling comfortable right away, that's amazing. That's so beautiful. But you want to be really looking at, is this where I want to be three years from now too? Is this, is this the pattern that I want to set for myself to be three years from now? And so a lot of what um, we look at in the program, it doesn't matter where you're moving. It doesn't matter if you're staying in the same city. If you're just redirecting careers, you want to be looking at how you want to see that transformation happen for yourself. That's up to you. That is completely up to the individual because we all have our own paths. So I would say no. I mean, you could move from upstairs to downstairs and still find yourself in a place where you need you need to make changes. So I moved from Italy back to Arkansas, and that was more of an <laughs> than moving from Virginia to Italy. So I yeah. just I want to say it has everything to do with expectation and location. And yes, it is, and it's what I referenced to with moving to Kazakhstan. I had these huge expectations that were pretty much all blown out of the water within, I'd say two weeks. So mm. it was, it was a big surprise. <laughs> mm -hmm. And a lot of people will tell me too, that it's the relocate, it's the returning back home or, you know, the mm -hmm. reverse culture shock. That's all, that's a big surprise, right? Well, I would think that would be the thing you'd have the highest expectations about. Like your expectations may not be so high if you're moving to Kazakhstan or if you're moving to a country where you don't speak the language, but yeah. when you go back home, you expect, you know, open arms and you expect people to be happy to see you and that you can just get right back into the groove and cities change, people change, you know, it, it, it people, people tend to, um, I, I've noticed this as I get older and um, I mean, hmm, I don't know how to say this uh, exactly right, but for instance, when my husband and I are talking about like somebody that we knew when they studied with me or studied with him and it's been 10 or 15 years, right. That's gone by and we see them and we're like stunned. We're like, Oh my, Oh my gosh, they look so different. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, and for you, time tends to stop, right? But it, it doesn't, it goes on. And so then when you move back home, people think that you're supposed to be the, still this little girl or this little boy that's moved there. And they have these expectations of a young, immature person, or they're still holding on to some, you know, crazy thing you did, like setting your camp person's fire, place on fire. And <laughs> just that old thing, just that old thing. And and you don't, uh, you don't realize, I mean, you do on an intellectual level, but people change, things change, life goes on, the city grows, expectations change, and then you find you are indeed a stranger back in your own hometown. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, yeah. that's a place where people would have really high expectations and when they're not met, 
it's a, it can be a real struggle and you think it's going to be easy. You're just going to go home. Yeah. And yeah, I can that's see, very true. And I can see people using your skills, even if they aren't, as you said, changing locations, but just changing paths because of all those skills that you've required, mm. acquired for doing that help in a transition. So, so reach out. She sounds like a, a wonderful gold mine and asset to help navigate mm-hmm. these strange times. We're all in strange times. So we all could use a coach. Where can people see your, your Bernadette series? Right. So if whatever you want to learn about me, you can go to my website. It's ValerieDuick.com. And I have my um, coaching page there. If you want to learn more about the program, I also have my Bernadette series right there. Um, on the website and uh, it's under. So they're not on YouTube. Yep. They're also on YouTube. You can go to my YouTube channel and um, you can, yeah, you can find them at either of those places. They're both collected nicely on my website. It's a little tidier because I'm able to put it in a nice sequence of how the, um, the, the, the series unfolded. Mm -hmm. So, but absolutely you can watch it on the YouTube channel as well. Your website is, your website is beautiful. And I love the pictures of you at the piano with your reflection in the piano. It's just oh, thank really beautiful. you. Nicely done. Thank, thank you, you very much for sharing your wisdom with us. And thank you so much, Tony and Denise. It's so thank great you, to be here on your, your podcast. And I know the mindfulness of singing is going to be a wonderful contribution to singers and musicians everywhere. So congratulations on this huge um, undertaking and I can hardly wait to see where it ends up. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We are very grateful that you joined us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, write a review, share it with a friend.